Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to An Amber A Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast, and I'm Amber Fisher. Uh, On this podcast, we talk all things fertility, autoimmunity, functional nutrition, lifestyle, motherhood, and more. We talk about everything on this podcast. So um, I'm excited that you're joining me here today. I think this is episode 28 of the podcast, and um, that's exciting because I've been doing this for two years, and we're almost getting to our 30-episode mark, so I'm thrilled um, about that. And uh, what I like to do to start the podcast off is talk a little bit about me, what's been going on in my life, and then um, get into our topic. So today's topic is um, supporting your immune system. So I know this is kind of the time of the year for that, and I did an Instagram TV video on this subject just a few days ago. And so here I am doing the podcast, incorporating some of you guys' questions and um, the things that you wanted to know about. And we'll get into all that today. But first, before we do that, a couple little housekeeping things and stuff that's been going on with me. So um, the biggest thing, the thing I'm most excited about is that Gabby, Gabriella Rivera, and I have um, finally published a project we have been working on behind the scenes, something that we are really, really excited about. It is called Eat With Us. And it is a TV show, um, YouTube channel that is all about um, two nutritionists, the two of us, who are great friends and also love to eat out. And so what we do is we um, go to different restaurants in San Antonio, we eat, um, and then we tell you guys why we ordered what we ordered. Um, how to make different things compliant for different diet types. So we're excited about it because we feel like it's a kind of a gap in the market. Like a lot of us either like to eat out or have to eat out for different reasons. And it can be hard when you're on any type of diet protocol to know what you should eat. Um, but the biggest thing is that her and I are just such great friends. We have really, really good chemistry. We've been working together um, for a while now and have always wanted to do a project together because we're separate practitioners um, but we've shared office space and we just wanted to do something together just to show like the fun that we have together and really share that with you guys so um, don't worry it's not going to be nutrition dogma it's not going to be boring educational it's going to be fun funny we're going to have a good time with it Um, we are going to be real people and eat what we really actually would eat so it's not going to be all salads all the time Um, but, uh, anyway, the first episode is already live. Um, you can follow us on our channel there. It's called eat with us underscore SATX. And, um, we will be doing, we've already gotten tons of requests from you guys. So I can tell that y'all are as excited as we are. Um, so, you know, on the docket are fast food places. Um, there are some other restaurants in San Antonio that people have requested. So we are going to do it all. And we're really, really excited 
and thank you all for the support for it too because we um when it was gabby's idea so i have to give her the credit but um when she told me the idea i was just like this is perfect we're gonna run with this it's just the perfect thing for us to do together so we're excited um please join us there and um we plan to hopefully have an episode um at least every month and um, maybe a little bit more often so um all depending on what you guys want us to do and don't be afraid to try to stump us because we love a good challenge uh so let's see that's all that what's going on in my personal life um you know same old same just here at home raising my baby so um you know going to these restaurants with gabby is is such an experience because i stay home mostly all the time now um with covid and everything um and so i haven't been like going to restaurants that much i mean I, i'll be honest that i still have been going um here and there, you know, as long as I felt like it was a pretty quiet place and, you know, everyone takes precautions and all that stuff. But um, going with her uh, to the place where we shot our first episode uh, was a little bit freaky because there were a lot of people there. We ended up going on a, like a Saturday. Um, and so it was it was pretty packed and it was a little bit like, should we really be here? But um, we wanted to really get the footage and get the episode. And so um, we did it. But man, isn't that crazy? Have you guys gone to restaurants or like been out? Do, don't you just feel so weird? I was telling Daniel the other day, Daniel's my husband, I was telling him, I'm like, in the past, you could not catch me in a restaurant that was too quiet. Like I would not go in because I always felt like it was so awkward to be one of the only people at a restaurant. Now, when I see like there's a like I, um, we go to Payway a lot, um, and it's like there's never anybody there, um, the one we go to. So it's like we have the whole place to ourselves, and we're like, yes, awesome, you know, because like we want to go out and sit in a restaurant or at least outside of a restaurant and not feel like scared um, of everything. So the world is just so different. I can't. Um, It'll be funny down the road as things kind of return to some sense of normalcy to think back on this time and just how much of a challenge it was for all of us mentally. Like so many things about my life were different. I had to let go of so many of these little um, these little hangups that I had, these little things that I thought were so important, you know, like being in my physical office space um, and uh, you know meeting my clients there. Like that was big to me. And now I realize like it's not that big of a deal, you know, like there are ways to work around it. I was so nervous when I was pregnant about, oh, what am I going to do about my business and my baby, my business and my baby, how am I going to choose? And, um, you know, now that I'm, I've been doing it here for over a year, I'm like, okay, so we make it work, right? Like we're moms and we just make shit work. So sorry for cussing, but, um, moms deserve it. You know, we, we really do run the world without moms. What would you do, guys? Um, so anyway, that's that. That's that's really the major stuff that is going on um, with me and everything. So I'm still working on writing my book, um, and uh, it's going to be on fertility nutrition. So I'm working on that and feeling really good about that. And um, oh, I want to give a shout out to an avid listener. I know she's listening right now. Um, and she's a client of mine as well, who recently got her, uh, PhD. So Dr. Carrie Haddock, Dr. Haddock, 
how are you? Are you listening? Congratulations to you. Um, I'm super thrilled for her. Um, Dr. Haddock and I did a, uh, a podcast recently together. It was the one where we talked about um, advocating for yourself as a young woman with health needs. So uh, check that out if you want to hear a little bit more from the very talented, very smart Dr. Haddock. So congratulations to you, my dear. Um, all right, let's talk about our topic today because it's, uh, when I'm recording this right now, it is 1240 and I know that baby is not going to sleep that much longer. So we need to get through this. Okay. So immune support. Now, this is a, a topic that I like talking about because this time of year, you always hear the phrase, Here's something that'll boost your immune system, right? And I even used to use this phrasing because it's catchy and like it's what people want to hear, right? Oh, I want to boost my immune system. But the truth is that your immune system is sort of like exists in a balance and you don't actually want to boost it too much and you don't want to suppress it too much. You want it to kind of be right in the middle. Like you want it to, to be able to fight off infection and fight off viruses, but also you don't want it to be so overactive that it's attacking your own tissue. And that's when we get into autoimmunity. So I know a lot of you who listen have autoimmune conditions. And so, you know, your issue is not so much boosting your immune system as it is, you know, um, suppressing some of that immune activity. Now, does that mean that you need to go out and eat like fast food and um, stuff that, you know, causes inflammation so you'll suppress your immune system. No, um, that's not what that means. But it does mean that that the whole point of supporting the immune system, that's what I'm saying supporting, is really to find a good balance, right, with your immune health. Now, how do we go about doing that? There are several different kind of pillars of healthy lifestyle that support the immune system. Um, fundamental to all of this is diet, right? course, I'm biased. I'm a nutritionist. I know, guys, I talk about diet all the time and how it's like the most important thing. But, you know, I was always surprised when I first got into nutrition, like I, before I became a nutritionist, nutrition was my hobby. Okay. So I used to read nutrition books and I'm probably like a lot of you, I would like listen to nutrition podcasts and I'd read books and I, um, I just like thought it was just so cool. These people who just knew all this stuff about food and the, like the healing power of food. And, and I'm, I was fascinated by it. And um, still to this day, even as a um, somewhat jaded, sometimes clinical nutritionist, uh, I can tell you that I never cease to be amazed at the healing power of food. Food just really, it has so much potential to make a difference in our lives. So what am I talking about when I talk about eating to support your immune system? Well, fundamentally, we're, we're looking here at nutrient density. Right, so we're looking at having enough um, nutrients, vitamins, minerals, things like that. So vegetables are key. Fruit is key. Um, fruit gets a bad rap, guys. A real bad rap. I can't tell you how many people come in to talk to me. I feel like this is becoming a little bit less common now that keto, I think, is sort of starting to fall out of favor. I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail here. So I've been around... Those of you who are wondering how old I am, I'm 32, okay? So I have been um, around in the nutrition world, like interested in the nutrition world since I was in my like early 20s. So I've seen a few trends come and go, right? And, um, you know, when I got first got into nutrition, it was when paleo was really big. So like 2012 kind of time frame, right? And paleo was a thing. Paleo was the answer. And I even went into nutrition school thinking that paleo was this like magical 
diet or whatever. And um, the longer that I practice clinical nutrition, the more I realize that really each person is individual. And we all have a different, a different um, place that's ideal for us. There's no one diet that works for every single person. Um, so that's so when I talk about keto, you know, I mean, some people thrive on keto. They really do. Um, I've seen that work really, really well for men. Um, and um, some people thrive on intermittent fasting. If I am being totally honest, I fast a lot. Um, so I don't like love to recommend fasting to my clients because most of my clients are dealing with, with chronic fertility issues and chronic adrenal issues and autoimmune issues, um, thyroid issues, which are all counterindicated for fasting. But, um, you know, some women do well with it. I do. So, you know, there, there's, there's a balance to be had. When we talk about um, fruit, this is how I got on this topic, fruit getting a bad rap. You know, when, when keto became the big thing, which it's been, I would say, probably for the last, I don't know, four or five years or so, when keto became the big thing, everybody started villainizing fruit, like talking about, oh, you know, what a, an apple has so much fructose in it, and that's so terrible. And, and um, you know, I just roll my eyes because fruit is, is nature's gift to us. Like, what, what better gift does nature give us than fruit? Like, sure, nature could have given us all, like, broccoli and spinach and stuff and told us that all your nutrients can get and antioxidants you'll get from those things, right? And they don't taste super good and, you know, we just have to kind of choke them down. But God, nature, whoever you want to thank for this, gave us fruit trees to give us this sweet, beautiful nectar of the gods. Like, fruit is amazing. Fruit is wonderful. Let's not hate on fruit, all right? Now, 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 with that said, um, always be careful about moderation and balance because fruit is can be sugary there are some fruits that are sugary than more sugary than others you can't go wrong with berries um but even you know other things like apples and mangoes and watermelon can be fine you just don't want to eat the whole like welcome to the alchemy of natural healing i'm your host laurel dewey True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. What I always say is don't eat fruit at the expense of vegetables, right? Eat vegetables and then fruit is like your thing that you let yourself have as a dessert or you let yourself have in, in balance as a snack or whatever. Um, but fruits and vegetables fundamentally, the reason we're talking about this for supporting the immune system is that those are the places where you're going to get the most um, nutrients that are going to boost that immune system. Not only that, but they have, so they have antioxidants, they have um, quercetin, Quercetin is a really cool nutrient that is often in these like natural allergy medications um, because it helps uh, reduce like histamine production. And so um, 
quercetin is great for like seasonal allergies, it's great for um, immune balance and all that stuff. But not only do those foods have that, they also have a lot of fiber. And fiber is really, really important for feeding our gut bacteria. And our gut bacteria are really, really important for balancing our immune system. I know I've said this a bazillion times, and I will probably say it a bazillion more times. You can put this on my tombstone, okay? 80% of your immune health resides in your gut. Now, that is a very simplistic way of looking at gut health and looking at immune health, and I recognize that. I mean, how does that account for the entire lymphatic system, for example? Um, how does that account for, you know, insulin blood sugar balance, which are part of the immune health? Um, it's a simplistic way of looking at it, but simple, easy, easy to remember. So much of your health, so much of your immune health resides in the health of that ecosystem. That, what we call microbiome, all the bacteria that live in there, there are more of them than there are cells in your whole body, so they really run the show. They have direct connections to your brain, direct connections to your skin, your reproductive organs, your every part of your body, okay? So they're huge. Um, and fiber is part of what feeds those bacteria. Um, fiber also helps a lot with preventing dysbiosis. So this is when the bacteria balance gets out of whack. And, and what I see more than anything in clients is either a very reduced um, bacterial balance. So usually like antibiotics and things like that from the past can kill off beneficial bacteria. And so you're left with this situation where there's just not a lot of bacterial activity going on in there and you're just like really um, low or I'll see um, dysbiosis, so I'll see like overgrowth of stuff. And that's not just SIBO, right? Although SIBO is kind of one way that that can manifest, but I'm talking about overgrowth in the actual colon, so um, of different bacteria. It's very important for there to be balance in that system because that system then feeds into your immune health. Um, so I don't wanna spend like a ton of time going over like diet to a T, okay? Cause all I really have to say like, <laughs> All I really, really have to say is there's two kind of pillars of diet that make sure that you're going to be a healthy person. Number one, eat your fruits and veggies, guys, or veggies and fruits, I should say. Your leafy greens, your non-starchy vegetables. I'm not talking about sweet potato. Now, that's fine in moderation as well, but really the bulk, the bulk of all that needs to come from non-starchy vegetables like broccoli, like spinach, like, um, God forgive me, kale like um, asparagus, uh, heck, green beans, um, and, you know, so vegetables that are not as starchy. And then second to that would be fruits, and then third to that would be starches. So your legumes um, and your um, potatoes and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is blood sugar balance. Fundamental to human health. Your blood sugar has to be balanced. That looks different for different people. Um, and a lot has to do with your activity level, your muscle mass, all that kind of stuff. Um, but fundamentally it comes down to how healthy your gut is and how, how, how well your, your gut processes your food. And then how, um, how much exercise you do and how many carbohydrates you eat. So it's a balance with all that stuff. This blood sugar issues may not come out 
on blood work right away. It may take time for it to show up in your A1C. Um, A1C is usually where you would look because that's like a, a marker of your blood sugar balance over time. Um, your fasting glucose and all that, I mean, it's not super, super helpful. Fasting, fasting and postprandial insulin is a really cool uh, measure, but you typically don't get that on like regular blood work. Um, but A1C is a good place to look, right? And sometimes blood sugar issues don't show up on there. Particularly, I see this a lot of women with PCOS who have major blood sugar issues, but like their their A1C looks fine because they make enough um, they make enough insulin. So um, blood sugar balance is all about slowing the release of carbohydrate from your system, knowing your weaknesses, knowing where your body struggles. So, for example, if you are a healthy, athletic man with a ton of muscle mass on you, uh, you can probably eat a crap ton of carbohydrates, even simple carbohydrates, rice, potatoes, all that kind of stuff, and it will be fine because you need it for muscle recovery. Um, you know, we talked about this in, in Eat With Us in the most recent episode. I had just come from a workout, so I got potatoes and, and stuff because I needed that extra recovery for, for muscle building, right? Because I'm working on building some muscle. Um, so if you're on that side of things, you can stand to have some carbs, particularly after workouts um, is the best time to have them. If, however, you are a woman dealing with fertility issues who has PCOS, your carb count at different meals might need to be significantly less. Um, but here's some basics to kind of help you. Whenever you have a starch or a heavy carb, you just want to have protein with it. Um, fat helps too, but not as much as protein. I think let's, I think we need to really put more focus on protein, especially for women. Women tend to not eat enough protein. Um, but we're talking animal-based proteins. Plant-based proteins can be good too, but you need to make sure that you have complete proteins. And the problem with plant-based proteins is a lot of times complete protein sources like rice and beans, for example, is a complete protein when you put them together. It's still got a lot of carbohydrate in it. So it's sort of like if you don't tolerate carbohydrate well, it's going to be a problem. If you do, it's no big deal. Um, so you have, to, you have to know yourself. But always having a protein source with a meal is very, very important. Um, and I would say, I would put that with snacks too. You know, like I'm big on protein being with each, each meal and snack. Um, even if it's just like some nuts and seeds, which are not like the greatest source of protein, but it's something if you're having it with fruit for a snack. Um, but during meals, I like to have a nice piece of protein and then my carbs along with that. Um, so blood sugar balance, making sure if you ever feel like weak and shaky between meals, um, get like sweaty between meals, feel like you like have to eat and then eating makes it better, that's a sign of blood sugar issues. So what that's indicating is that your blood sugar is going too low, probably because you ate too many carbs at the meal before and your insulin went up too high and then it took your blood sugar too low. So then you have to eat to bring your blood sugar back up to stabilize things. Um, so if that happens to you fairly regularly, uh, you know, that's a sign. And depending on what you ate, you know, like if you had like pancakes with nothing else and syrup on them, well, yeah, or like cereal. This used to happen to me all the time when I was growing up. I would have cereal for breakfast because I didn't know that I had PCOS and insulin problems and all that. So I'd have cereal for breakfast and then by like 11 a.m. I'd be like shaking and 
like sweaty and weird and like feeling like panicky and I would have to eat something. I would just like have to eat something. My, I have many memories of being in like high school and, my, and being like, oh no, I'm getting shaky. And my mom had to like pull into like Chick-fil-A or something and get me something to eat because I needed to eat because my blood sugar got too low. Okay, so if that happens to you, that's a sign. And depending on what you ate, you can tell kind of the overall health of your blood sugar balance, right? So if that's happening to you when you're eating like a meal with protein and stuff in it, well, then there might be some concerns to look at. But nutrient density, blood sugar balance, those are the two pillars of healthy diet that make sure that your immune system is supported. Um, if your blood sugar is out of whack, what happens is that your immune health gets suppressed because your body is under this sort of systemic stress. Um, and so it can't deal with things properly. It's interesting too that your blood sugar gets high when you have an infection. So if you've ever had an infection, like your white blood cells were raised, for example, and your blood sugar was high when you had blood work done, um, that's, you know, there's like interesting correlations with that. So blood sugar being out of balance is sort of like a stress symbol for the body. It's a survival thing. Um, so we want to pay attention to that. Okay, that's diet. Um, now, equal to that, I think, to those pillars of healthy diet are figuring out sources of inflammation for you. And I didn't go into a ton of detail with this on the IGTV because it's just so much to go over in such a short period of time. Um, but looking at what is inflammatory for you is really, really key. So, you know, I'm big on food sensitivity testing. I think food sensitivity testing is like amazing, an amazing tool. It's not perfect, but it's an amazing tool. It helps me so much as a nutritionist. Um, but if you do have food sensitivities, those sensitivities are causing a source of low-grade inflammation in your system, which then is causing stress that's suppressing your immune health. Uh, so we want to make sure that we get all of that under control. You can eat those two pillars of a healthy diet, but if you have a food sensitivity and that food is included in those two pillars, then you're still going to run into issues potentially with your immune health. Um, so I see this a lot, um, especially people who have autoimmunity. Food sensitivities are super common here. And if you tend to get like colds and viruses and stuff fairly easily, especially in the wintertime, and you have autoimmunity, that's where I see a lot of overlap happening because your body's just like not resilient to things as much because it's under so much stress and the immune system is just like running wild. So it can't like tackle everything that's coming at it. Um, so I think it's really, really important to look at food sensitivity. There are other sources of inflammation too, though, that could be going on. Um, you know, blood sugar being out of whack, that's a source of inflammation. Um, adrenal issues can be a source of inflammation. If you're not sleeping well um, or sleeping enough, that can be a source of inflammation. Speaking of sleep, let's talk about that because that's the next sort of pillar here. And um, sleep is complicated, so I want to spend some time on it. The issue with sleep is that, first of all, I know it's not convenient. <laughs> so we'll just like start off by saying that. I know it is not convenient to get enough sleep, okay? Especially if you're a woman who, maybe you're a mom and you work and you have your baby, um, or, or shoot, you just have your baby, right? Um, or maybe you are not a mom, but you have a lot of responsibilities on your plate. Maybe you're working on your PhD, Dr. Haddock. Um, you know, whatever it may be, uh, you're busy. You're a busy person. This is a busy world we live in. We prioritize busyness. We, um, 
we worship busyness. We idolize busyness. Uh, I can tell you that I, I certainly do. Like, I don't feel worthwhile as a person unless I'm busy. And that's something that I've had to work on with myself over the years. And I'm still working on to this day because I tend to take off, I tend to bite off more than I can chew. Um, so getting those out precious hours of sleep doesn't seem that important, especially too, if you're trying to lose weight or you're worried about your health. A lot of times we will wake up super, super early, like 5 a.m. to go to the gym. The gym stuff, like waking up super early to go to the gym, it's okay for some people. It works fine. I mean, I know like, um, you know, Gabby, my friend Gabby, who I do the TV show with, she goes to the gym super early in the morning. I know plenty of people who go to the gym early in the morning and it doesn't affect them badly at all. But those people also really prioritize sleep and get enough sleep and go to sleep early enough that they can fit that into their schedule. Um, if you are a woman and you are dealing with any type of chronic health issue um, or weight issue and you are punishing yourself by waking up to an alarm super early to go to some sort of boot camp or go to the gym and like drain yourself, you're not doing yourself any favors. You probably actually would do better by just sleeping those extra hours. Sleep is so fundamental to our health and so fundamental to our immune system that if we do not consistently get enough sleep, we are we know we're very vulnerable to uh, colds, flus, infections, things like that. So um, how do we get enough sleep? Because we know it's important. We hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's important. But it's like, okay, roll your eyes. What am I supposed to do about it, right? Um, the next podcast I do is going to be all dedicated to sleep. So I'm not going to like talk your ear off about it here. But um, there are some things that we can do to improve the quality of our sleep. First, look at, um, look at your sleep environment. If you haven't done this yet, you need to do this. Okay, so blue light filter on your phone from like 6 p.m. onward. You know, at least, at least three to four hours before you plan to go to bed. So let's say you're gonna wake up at five in the morning, four, three, two, one, 12, 11, 10, nine. So you need to be going to sleep at 9 p.m. Sorry about ya, can't stay up watching The Crown. Um, or the, Selena, the new Selena documentary, I mean, not documentary, the new Selena series, have you guys watched it? I watched it already, it was super cute. But anyway, you're gonna need to go to bed at nine, ma'am. Um, and how are you gonna do that, right? So. We have to trick our brains into getting sleepy. One of the ways we do this is by producing melatonin. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, I'm just gonna take melatonin. Taking melatonin, I'll just tell you right now, it's a waste of time. It doesn't work, okay? I've had, I think I've met like two people in my life that melatonin actually works for. You have to, your body produces melatonin when it's not seeing blue light. Um, so traditionally at night, you know, we by candlelight, we wouldn't have TVs and all these other screens blaring at us. And so we would naturally produce melatonin, get sleepy and go to bed, right? Um, when it's dark. So we have to sort of trick our brains into doing that now because we have so many devices. So blue light filter on your phone, for sure. I turn that thing on. I keep that thing on all the time because it hurts my eyes to look at that blue screen. So my screen's always orange. Um, do it for your computer too, your laptop or if you have an iPad or whatever it is you're using. Um, you can't, to my knowledge, do it to a, uh, a TV. If somebody knows how to do that, 
hook it up, let me know. Um, but as far as I know, you can't do it to a TV, so you have to turn that TV off at a certain time period. So what I would do is, of course, like who, you know, you're supposed to turn your TV off like three hours before you go to bed. But, you know, I get it, okay? You put the baby down, you just wanna watch a few episodes of Selena. So, um, in that case, if you're really having trouble with sleep, you might think about switching over to a laptop or an iPad or something where you can put the blue light filter on and that'll help, um, that'll help with that. And um, for sure, an hour or so before bed, 30 minutes to an hour before bed, you need to get into your bed, you need to have some sort of routine, just like I do with, with the baby, I sleep trained him, right? So before I put him to bed, he gets a fresh diaper, and he puts on his PJs, and I turn on his little sound machine, and we close the curtains together, we sing a song, and he gets in his little sleep suit pajama thing, and then I turn on his little glow worm, we have a whole routine. And um, that puts him right to sleep. He starts yawning right right when I bring him in there. Like he knows, you know? So we gotta do that for ourselves too. Wash your face, you know, do your skincare routine. Um, this is what I do. I always go, so I go to sleep every night around 10. Every night about 9, 9.30, I go, I um, wash my face, put on my PJs, do my whole skincare routine. So I got a whole routine here. I'm in my mid thirties. I got to keep this looking young. And um, then I go and I sit in bed and I just get cozy. I have a, like a pregnancy pillow that I'm just never ever going to part from. I love it so much. And um, I keep the bedroom really cold. And then I like, do stuff on my phone, but nothing stressful. I don't look at anything work related. I don't even go on, like, I try not to go on social media. I'm not super great at that. Um, fun social media, I try to stick to, but not like work related social media. Um, sometimes I even just do like Pinterest or I'll read a book. Um, so do all that like relaxing, fun stuff that I've waited all day to do. Uh, and then I, um, when I start feeling sleepy, I take that cue and I go to bed. I turn the lights off and I go to bed. I don't like push through it to be like, oh, well, it's not quite my bedtime yet. Like if I if I start yawning at 9.30, you better believe I'm going to sleep at 9.30. Um, so uh, cutting out that blue light is really, really important there. Having a routine is really, really important there. Um, another, tr another tip that I mentioned, keeping your house cold. So there have been studies that have been done that said that if, if people sleep in around 65 degrees with like a nice warm comforter, they sleep better than if they keep their house warmer and sleep with like a sheet or a lighter blanket. So it just makes you feel safe. Um, and so that really helps as well. So that's your whole sleep time routine. That's gonna help. Now, I recognize that some of you are like, I do all this, right? Um, and it doesn't work. So if that's the case, if, you, if your mind is running a lot before bed or you get a second wind at night, you probably have some, some cortisol issues. And those may require a little bit more uh, specific intervention than just a sleep time routine. So it may require supplementation. Um, it may require, and I usually like to test before we do that, um, or it may require um, 
you know, some other type of intervention. It's possible too that your GABA, which is a, an anti-anxiety neurotransmitter, is low. And so sometimes we have to do supplementation that improves GABA balance so that we can feel sleepy and we can feel relaxed. Um, so it's not just about feeling tired um, because many of you will recognize this like wired but tired feeling. So it's not just about feeling tired. It's also about feeling relaxed and not anxious and not stressed. So, um, and there, there are ways to, to work around that. So if your sleep issues are more specific and they're not solved by a proper sleep routine, then there's a lot that can be done. Um, but we need to do that work, right? Um, if it means working with a professional or whatever, we need to do that work because that sleep is really, really important for our immune health. Okay, moving on. Rest and boundaries. Um, this is huge, guys. Totally huge. Um, we have got to take breaks. So when I was talking about idolizing busyness, it's easy to put your worth into your output, um, but you are a worthy person, whether you complete your tasks for the day or not. Take it from somebody who owns their own business and is very self-motivated. I never finish my to-do list, ever. Every time I get close to the bottom of it, I add like a hundred more things to it because as soon as I get close to, to meeting a goal, I've already got four or five new goals that I need to achieve or that I want to achieve. The list never stops. It's never going to stop. The only time in my life that I ever can recall having a real break where there was nothing on the horizon and nothing in the past bothering me was right after I got married back in 2011. I just graduated college. I was young, guys. Um, just graduated college, got married. I did not have a job on the horizon. Um, I didn't know what I was gonna do with my life. And at the time, I didn't really care because I had just gotten married. The wedding was over. All the planning was done with that. Graduation was over. I had no schoolwork. So, on our honeymoon, I slept like nine hours, of at least, it was like 11 hours a night, and then I would take like naps during the day. I was so tired, I was exhausted. Um, and when we, when we moved into our first place and we were getting that all set up and I didn't have a, a job for, for a few months, um, you know, I just remember feeling like uh, bored. <laughs> So, um, so we make ourselves busy to prevent that, that sort of feeling of boredom, that feeling of like lack of self-worth, because if we feel like if we have enough things on the docket that we're getting done, we can prove to other people, we're like proving our existence is worthwhile, right? We're proving that, um, we're, we're like, it's almost like with busyness, we're apologizing for our existence. Uh, I had a mentor tell me that once. He was like, why are you apologizing for your existence? Like, you, you know, you're a good person. Like, why are you, why do you feel like you have to justify being alive um, to other people? Uh, and it's true. So the point of this is to say that when we make busyness into this idol, um, we, we forget the importance of rest and rest can feel very, uh, confrontative, right? We, we have, we give ourselves some space and 
we start thinking about the other things that we need to do and we feel like we're procrastinating and it gets very anxiety driven. So we have to be intentional about supporting ourselves in adding rest to our lives and giving ourselves permission to have it. And that's a mental thing, guys. Nobody can give you permission to have rest except yourself. Um, put the to-do list away. Take time for yourself every single day. I don't care when, you know, I like to do it before bed in the evening and in the morning before the baby wakes up because I like to book in my day like that with rest and just like doing stuff that I want to do for fun. Um, but however you want to fit it in, it's so important. Not being rested, whether it's not getting enough sleep or not having enough breaks from the routine and of life is a stress that causes a lot of drag on our immune health. With that said, incorporating boundaries into your life is really an important part of this because if we don't have boundaries set up, we won't have time for rest. Um, trust me, I recognize like how difficult it is to set boundaries. I'm like a huge people pleaser. I always have been. I'm not as bad about it anymore as I used to be, but um, you know, I think back on like some of the things that I did early on, just, even just early on in my business. And like, I was already in my like mid twenties when I started my nutrition practice. Um, so I had already like done a little bit, little bit of growing up, like had other jobs and been employed with other people and, and done different things. So I should have learned these lessons. Um, but it, I was, I'm, I've been a late bloomer with boundaries, let's say. Um, I remember some of the ways that I used to bend over backwards like crazy at the expense of my own health and my own happiness early on in my business. For people who really didn't ask me to do that, and if they had known how stressed out I was, probably would have just told me to just like chill. It's okay. Um, this year too has been big with boundaries for me. Um, trying to, to figure out a way to do it and still be perceived as nice. That's, that's where it gets me. And I think a lot of women deal with this too. So I'm just trying to be totally honest about stuff that I struggle with. Cause I know some of you guys are like this too, but it's all about being liked and being nice and, and not seeming critical or, um, not seeming, um, too aloof. Um, sometimes I can come off kind of aloof and I'm really not, I'm really a warm person, but, um, you know, the thing about setting boundaries is like, I always feel like people are going to like not like me. Um, and so this year has been really, really big on setting boundaries for me because as my business has grown and as my responsibilities have increased, I have realized that I, um, I just don't have the time to do everything that I did before. So one thing that I implemented and, and, you know, my clients who have been with me from before this through now know that I've done this and, you know, thank you guys for being so sweet about it, but I had to incorporate boundaries with messages from clients. So I used to be, uh, completely open to messages at all hours. Um, I gave my clients my personal cell phone number when I first started and they could text me, call me anytime. Uh, you can see how, how quickly that got out of control. Um, because 
you know, the people who like your soulmate clients, like some of you who are listening right now, super respectful, would never like step on my toes or try to, you know, like push in on family time or anything like that, you know, but you always have people who are not going to respect your boundaries or your work-life balance and feel like, well, I'm paying this person, so I'm going to, you know, call her at 10 o'clock at night. Like, I'm not kidding, I would get calls and text messages late, late, late into the night. Um, and I used to tell people, hey, that's fine, go ahead and, t and text me. I put do not disturb on my phone, so don't worry about it, I'll look at it in the morning. Uh, and, you know, this year I finally was like, you know what, that still damages me. Because when I see that first thing in the morning when I wake up, if I, if I wake up and look at my phone and I see that I have missed messages from people, then I can't enjoy my rest time in the morning. I can't enjoy my quiet time in the morning. And that quiet time is really important for my, for my health. So um, I've had to incorporate only answering messages a, a few days a week. And um, everybody's been really great about it. So I think the thing about boundaries too is like, especially if you're a person that doesn't like to set them, or doesn't like to say no, you feel like people are gonna be like upset with you and then you make the boundary and you set the boundary and suddenly it's like, oh, people didn't really like care that much. Like, they're not, they're really not upset with me about it. Um, and that's kind of amazing. Um, so uh, all that is to say that boundaries are big. What do boundaries look like? Well, um, I think if you're interested in this topic, there's a really good podcast I did on this with Renee Claire, who's my um, my business coach, and um, she, I forget what episode it is, but I'll link to it, um, where we talk a lot about boundaries, and she's more the expert on this than I am, but I think for me, the biggest part of boundaries is just learning to say no. Just learning to say, you know what, that's not for me. I get a lot of opportunities especially as a person who's been doing this a while and I'm, I've kind of made a little name for myself, people know who I am, and there are a lot of people who are um, wanting, who want to collaborate or want to do this or want to do that with me. And um, the real trick has been to learn, you know, what things do I really want to do? I don't have to do things just because it sounds good on paper. I do what I want to do and I put the energy into what I want to put and then learning to delegate too. You know, I'm working towards that. Um, learning to take some stuff off my plate and let somebody else handle it. Not being so type A about everything, right? That's all boundaries. Uh, so that's a huge part of supporting the immune system um, because it's a huge part of being a healthy person in general. Uh, it reduces that stress on us. And, um, you know, another thing I talked about too was a spiritual care practice. So whatever your faith looks like, you know, whether it's, um, I mean, we all run the gamut, right? We have, we have different beliefs and I'm not here to, you know, tell you what to believe. Uh, but I would say usually most people who are kind of attracted to me, we're, we're kind of spiritual types, right? We're like interested in spirituality. We're interested in the beyond. We're interested in the universe and all that stuff, whatever that looks like for you. Right. Um, and that spiritual care practice is a really important part of supporting your immune system because there is a couple things with this. First of all, there's placebo effect, right? So, um, 
you know, either you believe that your prayers are coming true because you manifested them or because God, you know, granted you mercy or grace or because, um, or because you just like believed it in your own mind and placebo effect, right? Um, but there is something to having some sort of spiritual care practice that does help our lives to make more sense. It helps us to make meaning out of things that go wrong. Things go wrong for, for everybody, right? We all have to like overcome battles in our lives. I've been through a few myself. Um, but having a spiritual belief system helps us to put that into a context and make meaning out of it. You know, that's not to say that like, we don't have to be the type that believes that everything happens for a reason um, or any of those other cliches, but it does help us take something that was shitty that happened and turn it into something positive, right? Turn it into something worthwhile. Um, we have the power to do that as humans, to make meaning out of difficult things. Uh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful responsibility and a beautiful power. Um, we can let those things overcome us or we can, we can find um, a place where they fit into some sort of lesson for us. I always choose to try to find the lesson in everything because I really think that life is here to teach me things and, and um, I just hope I'm learning correctly, right? I hope I'm doing it right. But that spiritual care practice is really important for, um, for your immune health. It's important for your health as a person. So, um, yeah, won't go into that a ton, but, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Just make time for it. Maybe put it into your rest time. Okay, the last two things. The things you've all been waiting for. Um, testing for deficiencies and then supplementation. So uh, I think having micronutrient testing done is really, really valuable. Um, and even like stool testing done is really valuable because you can see where your gut is, like where the health of your gut lies. Um, and then you can address that with supplementation and diet. Um, if you are deficient in different micronutrients, it, you can use supplements to sort of bring those up. But the biggest deficiency that we always need to test for is vitamin D. And you guys have probably heard this one a million times too, but it is so common to have a vitamin D deficiency. Unless you spend the majority of your day outside without very many clothes on, um, and you're light-skinned, you probably are vitamin D deficient or else probably not optimal. Um, vitamin D supplementation is so, so important for immune health. We know that people who are vitamin D deficient or not vitamin D optimal are much more vulnerable to, um, to illness, especially this time of year. Part of it's because the days are darker, um, cloudier, and also because it's cold and so we're inside more and we're just not getting the same level of um, we're just not getting the same level of sunlight we get vitamin d primarily from sunlight you'll hear sometimes people will be like oh you can get it from um, from fish or from certain other you know foods food is really not a good source of vitamin d um, it's just not so there's there's very little that you'll get from food you you really need to get it from sunlight um, with no sunscreen on or you need to supplement with it or ideally both right i like to do a little bit of both every morning you know i mean i know i'm lucky because i get to organize my schedule as a person who works um, from home and works for myself but um, every single morning i take my baby to the park and we take a walk um, in the sunshine and um, that is so so beneficial for my mental health i cannot even tell you like the exercise and the sunlight and i really think it's the sunlight more than anything um, 
Ideally, you'd like a vitamin D level around 60. Anything over 30 is not deficient, but um, in my experience, people tend to still have issues unless they're closer up to that 60 range. So that's where I like to sit. Um, I think testing is really beneficial. Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, so you can overdose on it. Um, so you want to be careful with it. You want to make sure you have your levels so that you supplement correctly. But most people, a maintenance dose would be about 5,000 IU a day. Um, personally, I take 10,000 because I'm inside a lot. Um, but, you know, testing will help you sort of figure that out. There is actually a kit on my website under the supplement store where you can test your own vitamin D if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and then supplementation. So the last thing I want to talk about today are some supplements that we know help boost and support the, ah, there I said it, that help support the immune system. Um, so I had to stop the podcast in the middle because this little guy woke up from his nappy time. And that's mom life, right? But we were talking about a few things. So what were we talking about, Calvin? We were talking about supplements that can help support the immune system. So the, um, of course, the biggest one is vitamin D, which I mentioned before. But another really important one that I think is often um, neglected to talk about is N-acetylcysteine or NAC. This is like my favorite supplement. Um, besides probiotics, I think I put people on NAC all the time because <laughs> what NAC does is it produces glutathione, which is your body's master antioxidant. So it um, it's even better than like vitamin C, right? We hear about vitamin C all the time around this time of year. Um, NAC does an even better job than vitamin C. Uh, it's a really potent, um, glutathione is, is, is super potent and um, important for immune health and helps, you know, get all that yucky stuff out. It's a really powerful antioxidant. So um, I love to do NAC for the immune system. I love to, I do like to do vitamin C. I take vitamin C. Um, I like to do a higher quality vitamin C than you would typically see um, on you know store shelves. I don't really like those powders and things that you take like right before a, you know when you like get a virus or the flu or something. Um, I think vitamin C and other other antioxidant supports like that need to be done regularly and need to be part of your diet and all that too. Um, but I take a vitamin C supplement myself and I do think it helps um, people to be more resilient. And um, let's see, the other ones that I like, quercetin, I love for the immune system. Uh, quercetin is really great for uh, allergies as well. So if you get seasonal allergies, I think um, it's, a, it's a beneficial one. And those are all ones, besides probiotics and things like that, which of course I think are important, those are ones that I think specifically really help a lot with immune balance. So I'm going to leave a, um, I'm going to leave info on all of this stuff in the show notes and close it up for today because those of you who are listening to the podcast version, you're probably like, what are the, what's that noise? It's the baby. He keeps touching the microphone. Um, and uh, yeah. You want to say bye-bye to everybody? Say bye-bye. Bye-bye.
See, we had fun on the podcast. We did. Okay. Talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.